Hello, OFAD lads and lasses. I am Andrew Smith, here today to introduce you to some bonus content. A few days ago, we had the opportunity to appear on the Real Talk podcast. Some new Canadian friends, uh, we got connected with them through a recent guest we had on our show, Dr. Cornelis Van Dam. Uh, he has also been on their show, and uh, they're a good show. They have a lot of interesting content, sort of in the same realm of things that we like to talk about on OFAD. So if you're looking for new podcasts, it uh, might be something you'd find worth checking out. Um, uh, also, if you're relatively new to OFAD, basically the topic of this discussion was who we are and what we do here. So if you're catching up, new here, uh, wanting to know a little more about where we've been and where we're going, this will be a good introduction to OFAD as well. So we hope you enjoy it. Uh, this is Real Talk. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Real Talk. It's Lucas here, and I hope that today's episode informs and inspires you to have your own real conversations. As always, today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Trivan, maker of trucks, trailers, and enclosure buildings tailored to your needs. Be sure to check them out at trivan.com. A huge thanks to them for sponsoring the show and making it possible. One other quick note before we get into today's episode is that if you are willing and able, if you could leave a review, preferably a five-star one, on any of the podcast networks or platforms that allow for it, such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that will be much appreciated as it helps get the word out there and lets people know what we're all about. So with that in mind, on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk. Yeah, it's Lucas back for this episode. I know Tyler's been carrying the load for the last few. And uh, we've honestly we've had great episodes. I've enjoyed listening to them more as just a listener and a fan. Uh, it's been uh, it's been great to learn about church discipline and, and church history. Uh, but on today's show, uh, we have a kind of an interesting collaboration. We've got two, two gentlemen, two pastors, reform guys from uh, the States. I know we have uh, some of our audiences American as well, so they might appreciate this even more. Um, but they they are two pastors who uh, have their own podcast, so uh, doing something never before seen, a podcast collaboration, who would have thought? Um, and uh, we're talking to them, and we're going to learn all about their podcasts, uh, what they kind of cover, uh, a lot of, yeah, church stuff, cultural stuff in America, and um, some various themes that overlap with what uh, we've talked about on this show as well. So they're here to give their insight and their perspective. And uh, yeah, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show, Andrew Smith and Caleb Castro. So uh, guys, I'll maybe I'll start alphabetically with, with first names there. Andrew, do you want to introduce yourself, uh, who you are, where you come from, your journey to uh, to being a pastor? And then uh, we'll flip it over to you, Caleb. Yeah, thanks, Lucas. Um, my name is Andrew Smith. I am the pastor of... Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Hamill, South Dakota. It's a church of about 25 members in a town of about 11 people. You did hear that correctly. Um, we're a very rural area, mostly farmers and ranchers out here in South Central South Dakota. 
Um, I grew up in Wyoming, next state over. You'll notice my wall of, if you have a video, wall of license plates behind me. Uh, most of them are Wyoming plates because that's where I lived most of my life. Um, I grew up evangelical. I actually grew up in the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which is a uh, Sadly, a denomination that recently started ordaining women as ministers. So it was a, a sad development there. Um, then eventually it ended up being various kinds of Baptists. Never actually knew Reformed theology was a thing until I was in college. And Wyoming is just such a, a small thing. There's maybe like a half a dozen Reformed churches of any kind in Wyoming that I just didn't even know anything about it. And I actually learned about it uh, through a church. It was heavily influenced by guys like John MacArthur and John Piper and so forth, um, where I was first introduced to Calvinism. And it uh, caught my attention because in my evangelical upbringing, there was a lot of questions, a lot of doubts, a lot of things in the Bible that just didn't make sense to me. And like the way I'd always been told, well, this is what this means. I read the Bible and it's like, it doesn't seem to make sense. And Reformed theology seemed to answer all of the questions that I had in my mind, it actually uh, presented the scriptures, uh, presented doctrine in a way that made sense to me, that actually, um, you know, made it where the pieces fit together. Because, you know, like I was raised a dispensationalist in the era of left behind, and everything was rapture this, rapture that, tribulation this, tribulation that. And I read the Bible, I'm like, it's, I don't see this there. Um, but then I learn about covenant theology. I learn about the related views of eschatology. It's like, oh, this makes a lot more sense. And so I just uh, learned about it in college, continued to learn and study. Um, I went into the workforce for about eight years. I worked in banking and finance, and then I worked in state government uh, in Wyoming. And then uh, about the time I, a little bit after I got married, uh, my wife and I joined a Presbyterian church, a PCA congregation. And then a couple of years after that, I was given the opportunity through a financial donor to go to seminary. Um, I'd been helping teach Sunday school and things like that. And people had began to recognize and uh, sense perhaps a calling on my life for the ministry. And the donor offered to send me to seminary. And so I went to Westminster Seminary in California. It was there that I met Caleb. We came in at the same time. Um, had a bit of a fascinating time. If anyone follows all our work and you hear the things we talk about and some of the doctrinal views typically associated with Westminster, California, they're like, wait, wait what? You went there? If you didn't already know. Um, yeah, because, uh, you know, we found I found some of those views to be questionable at best problematic at worst and uh but i did stay there i did finish studying there whereas caleb you know bailed and left me but you know i forgave him um but yeah and then i was actually in seminary i was in the united reform churches i came to be a part of that even went through candidacy in the urc um and then because God has a sense of humor. After I'm like near the end of the process in the URC, I get called to the OPC and have to do a whole new set of ordination trials in the OPC. Um, so I did I did ordination on like ultra hard mode, but uh, God has been faithful. He's called me to a great congregation. I've been here. Uh, 
I started serving as stated supply here uh, almost a year ago, was ordained and installed back in April. And uh, the Lord has has, uh, blessed us and it's been a great thing out here. So. Okay. That's quite the journey. Very detailed. I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's great to know. All right, Caleb, uh, let's try to match that. Where, what's your start? Where you come from? <laughs> yeah. So I was, uh, born in the, uh, great, uh, conservative bastion of the, uh, people's Republic of California, uh, in the Northern sector. Yeah. Uh, so Sacramento born and bred, uh, and the, the gist of it is, uh, those might be here a couple hours. It's, uh, uh, I was raised in a uh, line of hyper charismatic churches. Uh, so, you know, I, I grew up like, you know, your ideal preachers are Joel Osteen and Kenneth Copeland, you know, all the fun people. Um, and uh, so I was raised in this group called uh, the Vineyard uh, Charismatic Churches, a uh, uh, offshoot of Calvary Chapel. Uh yeah, eventually I got pretty heavily involved in a, in a group called Bethel Church in Redding, California, um, or very similar to uh, Hillsong, um, and uh, started seeing just some really strange, uh, disturbing teachings that I started asking, hey, what's the biblical basis for this? And uh, they couldn't show me it, uh, so I, I, I left that, um, you know, partied around and had a pretty rough going for a while, uh, in life. And then, uh, you know, the Lord, uh, grabbed a hold of me and, uh, straightened me out. Uh, I started understanding exactly what his grace is. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I eventually found, uh, you know, he, he was leading me to want to really do nothing, but teach the scriptures and talk about him with people all the time. Um, so I went in a, a little bit older in, in life, uh, went out to um, a Bible college, wasn't sure if I wanted to be a teacher or or a pastor or whatever, but uh, the Lord brought me to the route of uh, of seminary at uh, Westminster, California. Um, about that time, I had uh, joined uh, the United Reformed Churches, my wife and I, uh, who had been from a Roman Catholic background. Uh, so we we basically walked together in, in learning and studying, uh, reformed doctrines, uh, and, in growing in scripture, uh, you know, as, as a couple, uh, similar to, to Andrew and Heidi. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I went out to Westminster, California. And like, uh, Andrew said, uh, we, we started there, um, after about, uh, about a year and a half or so, um, I had been really convicted for a while that just, that, that, that wasn't, uh, where, uh, the Lord, um, where the Lord had, had, uh, wanted to prepare or, or train me in the things of, uh, scripture. Uh, so seeking much counsel from, a variety of, of, of advisors, uh, ecclesial and, in lay, um, and I transferred out to, uh, Mid-America, uh, Reformed Theological Seminary in, uh, uh, in Dyer, Indiana. Um, and, uh, yeah, we became uh, members at uh, Oakland United Reformed Church in Lansing, Illinois. Um, I did uh, uh, several of uh, five internships or so. Uh, I did my candidacy process in the URC and uh, I came out and did a, an internship in Rock Valley, Iowa, in Northwest Iowa, just about 25 minutes away from Dort University. And uh, and they uh, they called me as their uh, as their minister in uh in may 
so I've been ordained and installed and yeah, and we've, we've been just greatly loving it here. Um, so still kind of getting into the routine, the brand new minted minister. I have some energy, perhaps a little bit of fire and, you know, looking forward to seeing what the Lord and his grace continues to do. And in however long he would have, uh, have us serving. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So two, two young, fresh ministers, two guys with interesting journeys. Um, Okay. And then you have this podcast. This podcast is called Once for All Delivered. OFAD, as I see you guys like to call it for short. Um, so if people want to check that out, feel free. Um, I'll, I'll flip it back to Andrew here. Do you want to tell us a bit about the genesis of this podcast? How long you've been doing it? Has it just been you guys the whole time? Anybody else involved? Um, yeah. What's the story of the pod? Um, yeah. So we started, well, we started talking about this. It was probably late 2019. Um, I think it was, well, I think it started with a joke among friends about doing a, a podcast called Bobcast, uh, talking about Bob Inc. You know, this is the Bob Inc. Renaissance. Everybody's getting into Bob Inc. New Bob Inc. works are appearing and being published and stuff. And so we're like, yeah, it'd be cool to do that. But, you know, we were seminary students, we were interns, we were busy, we had a lot of life going on. And then in the spring of 2020, this uh, thing called COVID you might have heard of came and suddenly we're all cooped up in our houses and need something to do. So uh, we decided, okay, we've talked about doing this podcast. Let's give it a go. Uh, so originally we started with three hosts. It was Caleb and I, and then also our friend, Mark Scaturro, who uh, is now an OPC minister in Michigan. Uh, he was OP the whole way. He never switched like I did, but um, it was started as the three of us. And for about four months, it was uh, the three of us together. We started by basically just walking page by page through the wonderful works of God, which had just been republished at that time by uh, Westminster Seminary Press and just going through the sections and talking about it, talking theology. Um, Mark left that summer. It got to be too much to do podcasting with uh, life and family stuff. And then we continued on. I uh, kept doing the wonderful works, but then we kind of branched off, would do other topics. Like if it was something, uh, let's see, we did special episodes like on worship, on the church. Um, we did a series on covenant theology. It was kind of just, you know, where, where whatever we felt like talking about, whatever we thought would be helpful to talk about. But then, you know, kind of using Bob Inc. and his works as our starting point. We had got to have some guests on. We had uh, James Eglinton on uh, about the time he was publishing his biography of Bob Inc. and uh, Dr. Alan Strange from Mid-America, Bruce Pass. Uh, yeah, it was really kind of fun to explore the world of Bob Inc. for the time that we did. Um, yeah, that was that was Bobcast. We did that for a couple of years. And then near the end of last year, uh, we decided we, we had taken some time off you know, kind of regroup, rethink. And then we decided we wanted to come back as something more broad, more general purpose, kind of more free in the topics we could talk about. I mean, we love Bob Inc., but uh, it's also with all the things going on in the world and our various theological interests and stuff, it's like, let's do something more general so we can kind of just uh, follow things where they lead as opposed to kind of being nailed nailed down to one author and, and his works. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay, cool. And then so you kind of explore the Bob Inc. thing. Um, yeah, you just work through his theology. 
any before we move into some of the more recent episodes after you kind of rebranded and went in the broader direction, uh, any highlights or anything that stands out to you uh, about that time, that period in time? Like, what was this? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of theologians out there. What was the real interest in, in bobbing that drove you guys uh, killed? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in a lot of ways, um, when, you, when you compare a lot of, uh, say, single volume systematic theologies uh, that, that are out at present, uh, you don't you, you don't have many uh, you don't have many, you know, comprehensive uh, dogmatics, ones that are are really drawing from, uh, first of all, a truly exegetical basis in scripture, but then moving in in looking through uh, historical exegesis, that is uh, the consensus that formulates our confessions. So truly, those who do then confessional theology uh, interact with others in the past, uh, those who are interacting with uh, other views, uh, you know, um, from the past as well, from, you know, Lutheran, Roman Catholic interpretations, you know, elenctic theology, really comparing things. Why are we reformed and not, uh, yeah, not Roman Catholic, but then also those who, uh, theologians that engage with thinkers of their own times, uh, Bob Inc. was doing all of that. Uh, so for, for a, a relatively uh, recent, you know, modern theologian, having access in English to a uh, fairly as I said, comprehensive uh, body of work to draw from. It, it's it's an enormous gift, um, uh, an enormous resource for uh, you know for 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 interested people um, to to really go into. But you know, Bob Inks also not just uh, a dogmatician. He had been a statesman. Uh, you know, he was involved in 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 uh, in Dutch politics for a time. Um, he was a pastor and preacher. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he was writing very much on uh, what, if you want to put it this way, what's the point of theology? Well, there is no point of theology unless it's practical, unless it's, it's it, theology must be practical by its nature. If we're to study God, there must be a fruit from it. So the, in a lot of ways, uh, bobbing, bobbing for us, you know, we, we never would have professed and, and do not profess being uh, and yeah, and you, you say it right actually, right? you know, Bafink, it's, uh, you know, he, Bafink is really, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, readily admitted, you know, uh, far above us. Uh, and in a way, what we were doing was reading and learning, uh, from his writings in various areas, uh, and, inviting others in an open format, really, I mean, in, in listening to podcasts to, uh, for people to join in on our thoughts as we do these things. Um, right. So that I, kind of said, yeah, sorry. But, well, I was going to say, so if, if I hadn't read Bonnie before, would those podcasts be accessible? Like, do you guys work through it? Yeah, we, we don't do it, uh, say, to the extent of something like a uh, comparison reform forum with their boss group, um, where it's almost exegeting you know, um, uh, Herodas Voss, uh, you know, paragraph by paragraph. Right. So we, we try to keep it in a somewhat, you know, uh, moving fashion. So we, we will read certain portions or at least summarize, uh, sections. And then we'll just kind of say, okay, well, here's what he's thinking. Here's what he's saying here. And sometimes we'll draw in references from his, uh, we mostly work through, um, his essays and, uh, the wonderful works of God, um, but we would draw in references from uh, the Reformed dogmatics and elsewhere. 
Gotcha. So it's, it, I, I would, I would hope that it's, it's, uh, that it is accessible and helpful. <laughs> okay. Nice. Cool. Well, if anyone's interested, feel free. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes below. You can definitely go check that out. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I think we should hit uh, some of your recent episodes because then you, once you kind of broaden out, there's a lot of cultural topics you hit um, and a few interviews and whatnot too. Uh, one of those being the faith in the film uh, guys. Uh, they're actually from up uh, well, our neck of the woods, quote unquote. It's a big country, yeah. but I believe those guys are from uh, from Alberta somewhere. So maybe. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, that, that reminds me, they are coming on our show at some point soon, too. So they'll be coming down uh-huh. and doing an in-person interview with, with Tyler at his place. So stay tuned oh, for that. Yeah. Very future. good. I was uh, actually nice. just going to email uh, Kyle after this and let him know that we were uh, going to plug them a little and just say hi. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, good folks. It's, it's like it's the pre-plug before uh, the full episode. So I'm sure yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll just wet, wet the listeners' appetite, you know? So oh, yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit about those two gentlemen, uh, what they're up to in their project? I'll, uh, we'll just keep it going. I'll flip it back to Andrew. Unless, Caleb, we feel real, real strong about something to say there. Yeah. Andrew, yeah. Um, it was Caleb, actually, that got us uh, set up with them through some mutual friends. Uh, but given that, you know, in our new format, we're particularly interested in issues of theology and culture, uh, we liked the opportunity and the ability to talk to some guys who are uh, Christian and thoroughly reformed Christian and yet engaged in cultural production, uh, making films, making resources, Um at least at the time we talked to them, their their primary focus had been on theologically educational films um, for the church, you know, basically providing learning resources, introductory resources to reform theology. But it was good to talk to them um, because they're, you know, making art, making a film as Christians uh, to help the church. But also just uh, one of the things, and this will probably come up as we talk about some of the other topics we've hit on OFAD. We're we're recognizing a need in our time as Christians uh, that we need to be thinking of building institutions, thinking of building our own infrastructure as far as cultural production, education, things of that sort, because we are living in very difficult times and we are seeing attacks on the church and on Christianity from all sides. So it was just a good opportunity to to talk to brothers who are actually uh, putting that in action and doing that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Caleb, so so how did you get in touch with those guys? What was the, the connection there? Yeah, uh, so I went uh, to seminary um, with a, uh, a min- uh, now a minister out in Abbotsford, um, uh, Reverend Aaron Vanderheiden. Um, so he graduated about a year before me, and he went up and did a uh, an interview in uh, at the URC in uh, Lethbridge. And uh, so in that time, that that's how he uh, he you know he got to know the faith uh, faith the film guys. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so he, he, he originally pitched the idea, Hey, you guys uh, should connect and talk and, you know, um, and, you know, we did. And, uh, after, you know, there was kind of a little seven, uh, several months lull, but, um, you know, as things were busy and, but eventually, uh, especially given the, the newer format with, uh, um, you know, what we did with, uh, once for all delivered and transitioning over to that format, uh, you know, we Andrew and I were talking and, and and thought, hey, you know, this would be a good time to bring in some guys and talking about the area of uh, media and arts. Um, so yeah, so that that mutual friend uh, had had uh, done the initial work in uh, in uh, 
you know, in, in copying us to each other in an email, much like, uh, as we'll talk about later, uh, Dr. Van Dam did here with, uh, with you guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, as I was, uh, corresponding with, uh, with Kyle, um, from, uh, Faith the Film, he, uh, you know, we, there, there's at least what I, I, what I hope, uh, something of a click, uh, mutual interests, concerns, and, you know, so we, we, uh, in, I think in, in the course of our interview with them, um, I mean, that was a great time. You know, we, we got to talk, uh, you know, on, on perhaps one of the most, I think for me, uh, interesting areas of, uh, I mean, how do you be a Christian, uh, on the internet? How, how do you produce content, you know, on, uh, on the air? Um, or, uh, how do you, how do you do film? when you look at this like heavily secularized age uh you know Kyle I think it was uh yeah worked for uh you know for a production company for a time and you know as I'm sure he would tell you it's you know he had a hard time reconciling those kind of things to his views and you know he knew and, and many others in our Christians in our world know what it is to have to say you know I don't want to uh I don't want to progress with this avenue of of a career I don't want to I don't want to keep going with this if it's going to mean that I'm shirking off my, uh, my, you know, my, uh, my faith in Christ, uh, that, that I am not showing it rightly. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, a it's, it, it's a huge, it's a huge question of like, you know, we have this, a massive tool, uh, of the internet, uh, a great potential ministerial, um, ministerial tool, uh, Perhaps the biggest innovation in technology since, uh, you know, the the printing the printing press, and we saw how the printing press was used in the Reformation in in educating, um, in in you know, and uh, bringing awareness to others on the things of Scripture. Well, mm -hmm. we have this tool of of the internet. How do we do the same now today? Um, right. So, in part, that's that's why you know Andrew and I also do this with the podcast. However, many people you know listen. Uh, even if it's just one that we might be able to be utilized, um, you know, for the edification of them, uh, for their edification, then I think that that's a, I would hope that that's a, uh, you know, a good end. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's it's fascinating to think of uh, these developments of technology uh, on a larger time span, and like with the printing press is a, is a fantastic example, right? And I granted things did move slower back then and, and change mm -hmm. happens so quick these days, but we are still very much in the infancy of, of the internet age. And another topic we'll, we'll hit later, obviously is uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah. Which to me that that's so fascinating. I want to do a full episode on that at some point, but I got to track down a good expert first. Cause it's such a new field and Christians mm -hmm. have only been talking about it for, for a few years. So yeah, mm -hmm. whatever it's uh, that's all candy for, for podcasters like us who just love, uh, love talking about these things. So it's exciting. Exactly. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So, uh, well, that's that's the faith in film, guys. Stay tuned for that, listeners. Um, that's coming up. In the meantime, though, uh, let's let's talk about this. Uh, seems to be a recurring theme of Satanism. You we were joking about it before the podcast started. It's uh, it's very it's yeah. It's the darkest of dark humor, I suppose, in some ways. But you guys started with this episode called "The Devil Went Down to Hollywood," I believe, and you were looking at entertainment culture, Hollywood, uh, the impact of Satanism in in that arena and it's kind of become a theme for your podcast that you everywhere you look and, and the issues you discuss 
you find the devil and you're like, this is crazy. What's so much Satanism going on here, which maybe it's not crazy. Um, do you guys want to, uh, kind of break that episode down? Tell me a little bit about uh, how that went for, for that devil and death Hollywood and then touch on the uh, recurring theme of, of Satanism you're finding in your work, especially when you delve in stuff like pride month. Uh, go ahead on that, Andrew. Yeah. So the, the devil went down to Hollywood. It's basically, it started as a, we wanted to do a live show and we've been uh we don't do all our shows live now but more and more we've been getting into video we've been getting into live production we started as a audio only show but have been working on uh branching out and doing more things and uh caleb pitched the idea of talking about the controversy at the time which was that sam smith had performed at the Grammy Awards and using a lot of overtly satanic imagery. And oh, by the way, also uh, his uh, co-performer, I guess, was a a transgender individual, was a, a man who was pretending to be a woman, um, which is really interesting because that correlation has come back over and over again as we've hit LGBT type issues uh, looking at Pride Month, we did an episode particularly on transgenderism. Uh, these things really do like to run together. Uh, like, for instance, um, with uh, when we did our Pride Month episode, we were talking about Target and their clothing line uh, for Pride Month that was designed by a Satanist. It's like, huh, okay. So... Um, it started with that look at Hollywood, and we looked at some other examples of how uh, Satanism, you know, seems to have uh, infiltrated Hollywood. Now, the thing about Satanism is it almost is, even for the people who hold to it and practice it, it's supposed to be like almost a joke and just a way to get back, punch back at religion and particularly at Christianity. But then it's like they kind of end up telling more truth about themselves and about this present evil age than they maybe intend to. Mm-hmm, for sure. So any specifics on like, so yeah, you, you dive into that Hollywood episode, obviously Sam Smith, yeah, satanic imagery there. Do you guys discuss any other uh, instances or cases where that's kind of come up in pop culture recently, other than the target one you, you listed? Yeah, a couple of them. Um, so one, one, I, I'm trying to remember if it was uh, just about that time. You know, it's it's been a while now. Um, but there was a uh, there was buzz going around about a a a large a a large meeting of uh, Satanists um, in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, um, back in I think uh, May or so, and. Uh, you know, so so you have this huge gathering where um, you know you have people dressing up in in costumes, basic. You know, we put it a little a little tongue in cheek in the way of where you have like you know just a bunch of honestly edgy, um, edgy young adults and adults going and gathering in in gothic clothing and stuff, and uh, you know, and and flaunting. Um, you know, flaunting uh, scandalous and modest clothing, and they're up there uh, opening up their their you know conference with uh you know with tearing up pages from uh, the Bible and uh you know and trying to trying to get people amped up, and then you know um there was a there was a, a Bible burning that occurred. There was uh, uh they had several workshops that were that were uh, ongoing um with uh you know uh, academics um 
almost every single one, uh, or, or at least the main workshop, almost all the main workshops weren't just about Satanism, but tied into uh, transgenderism or LGBT and all this stuff. So there, there was already a huge correlation there. Um, so it was like a three day event, you know, it's what we might think about, like, I don't know, uh, G3 or Ligonier conference. They're doing the same things. Um, three other brief examples then are, are um, you know, in, in order to uh, to skirt um, down here, some of the some of the states have uh, placed, you know, particular bans on uh, on abortions and um, to to skirt. Uh, state authorities, uh, this this satanic temple, as they call themselves, uh, they 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 will send out uh, abortion pills to people that request them, um, as long as you agree to perform what they call a an abortion uh, ritual, where it's basically just uh, you agree to sit, meditate, look in a mirror, talk about your 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 own self autonomy, empowerment, and enchant to yourself before uh you know before taking the pill and that way it's protected on uh, as an act of a religious right as a religious practice so that the government can't interfere interfere and it's um and yeah this this same satanic temple talks about how you know yeah they don't believe in a literal satan he's used as a symbol uh uh for us uh, for autonomy for self-government and rule uh and anti-authoritarianism uh, and yet it's it's exactly this the kind of practices you have. I mean, exactly the kind of um exactly the kind of tactics that Satan employs in the first place. Yeah. Um he's using yeah, it's uh there's last two brief ones where I mean there we, we talked about in um I think it was in our Pride Month episode about a um you know a, a book that was uh being Put out, uh, being given, uh, donated to lo- to uh, some libraries. Um, I don't remember in which of our states, but uh, basically, this this book called uh, "Good Night Baf- uh, uh who is a a satanic idol, um, yep. where it's a it's a children's book circulated around this figure um, in in to to teach using this this demon uh, to teach children morals. Um, Disney is uh, currently in uh, in production with uh, of a German uh, television series called um, Pauline, um, and this is a uh, basically a, it's built as a as a coming of age story. Uh, Pauline, an eighteen year old uh, teenager, high school, she has a one night stand. And because she is just so stressed out about about climate change and the state of the world and all this stuff. So she just has. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So she just has a she has a one night stand and, you know, lo and behold, she gets pregnant. But uh, she finds out that um, she she had had a one night stand with Satan. Um, So she is now pregnant with Satan's child. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is this is put on to this, you know, to this enormous media platform. This is Disney plus, um, or at least it's intended to. Yeah. That was actually our climate change episode where we hit those last <laughs> couple of things. Uh, yeah. climate change. That's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've discussed on the show before too. That's, I mean, when we could do the rest of the episode would be climate change, man. It's, it's such a big thing. <laughs> okay. Well, that was uh, fully depressing. 
uh, about our culture. Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, guys. Appreciate it. Now, uh, uh, <laughs> the, the big, lots of black pills on our show. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I'd heard of most of those examples, but uh, yeah, the last couple there. That's that's brutal. All right. Uh, well, let's hit a different one. Uh, so you guys started <laughs> up during the time of uh, COVID, that uh, that blessed era of our history. Now, um, <laughs> as did we. It was it was definitely part of the impetus uh, just to get the conversation going and uh, yeah, whatever provide a platform for that. Uh, so, which brings me to the topic of sphere sovereignty, which you guys have covered in your show uh, a decent amount. Now, personally, like this is a we talked about it a bunch too. I got to dig, honestly, just I got to dig more into it to make sure like there, there's great arguments to show that this is a good biblical uh, understanding of how we should uh, see the relationship between church and state and whatnot. But I would also be interested in hearing some critiques of it too. Um, you both, you guys are, are obviously learned, learned fellows, learned men. Um, have you dug into sphere sovereignty uh, a fair amount? And are you fairly convinced that uh, this is like the correct view in terms of how people in the church, Christians, should view the the relationship between church and state? I'll, I'll flip it to uh, to Caleb on this one. Go to Andrew. Yeah, yeah. Um... So in a nutshell, so this 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 itself could be a whole another episode too. Uh, yeah. So in in a nutshell, uh, there there are I think a legitimate general principles for it. I'll, I'll explain I, I guess that in a second here. But the um, uh, so so I, I can put it in the, in the terms of that. every every single way of talking about theology. Uh, there we have a um, we tend to grasp onto philosophical models philosophical speech to uh to explain them so for example augustine would utilize a uh neoplatonist language that was basically the the lingua franca of his day right academically uh but it doesn't mean augustine was a platonist or a neoplatonist uh he was using the speech of the time um likewise you would get uh even even in um say uh reformed orthodox scholasticism uh would utilize aristotelianism uh as scholastic terms but it doesn't make them aristotelians um same thing calvin would use neoplatonic language at times uh well in the 19th century into the early 20th century with the dutch uh with with a lot of dutch theology uh such as with abraham kuyper and uh herman Bafink and so on um you would get uh what I see is uh, kind of things couched in the terms of German idealism, uh, which we're, we're probably more familiar with in the sense of uh, of uh, Hegel, right? Of of a a loose uh, Hegelian dialectic, uh, dialectical way of speaking, right? Uh, so you hear certain phrases like this, like say uh, that that are familiar in especially our Dutch circles, right? Of of antithesis, right? That that comes from a he- from a Hegelian term. Um, so Kuiper, Kuiper, uh, yeah, very well known as a public theologian, but he is, uh, he's, he's also got uh, his academic bent too. Um, the, the language of spear sovereignty is, uh, what I, what I see much as, uh, as something of a, a, a German idealistic framework for him trying for, for him articulating, um, uh, what he sees as a, a system in scripture. Um, well, what, what this means then for that is just that um, I think there's there's certain limits to any system in this way. 
And we, so what our primary endeavor is for all Christians is you go by a scripture's language. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 you say it how scripture says, and you might utilize philosophy as a servant for employing these concepts. Um, you have uh, just basically these, you have several uh, key scriptures. I'll just reference a couple um, that's uh, that kind of ties in this idea. The one, one is the cultural mandate, right? So, I mean, sphere sovereignty is, is, is uh, for, for any listeners, it, it's, um, you know, it's stating that uh, God had ordained separate uh, institutions that are virtually, uh, they, they, they are independent of one another and they they govern themselves and yet there's a general overlap um in terms of uh of uh how they are to operate in this world as something uh as this world um is governed by god um you know you have something like the uh, like the church at the very center if you imagine uh, you know a, a wheel and spokes on a wheel the church is at the center and uh or you could even say that christianity is at it, at the center and from that central hub um we are christians are to go out into all areas of society why well we we don't just leave our faith and our practices our our, our worldview at the door of the church when we leave each sunday no, we go out into various areas and we continue to be Christians. Well, what does that faith look like? So he so so Kuiper though is, is thinking now, um Kuiper had been thinking, well, there was a huge entrenchment of the state upon the church in the Netherlands, right? You had the Hervemdekirk, the, the actual state church there. Um, you had uh, civil magistrates, uh, public officials sitting in on consistories and councils and telling them who can and cannot be appointed as elders. They were governing the affairs of a congregation. So it, it started. So his idea started of that and saying, no, the, the, the state is separate as an institution from the church. God is still sovereign over it, but it has its own particular sphere. That sphere of the government has it has been invested with certain responsibilities, such as uh, utilizing the sword to uh, punish evil and, and promote good in society. Uh, the government has a right and proper use of authority in, say, um, uh, a church should abide to a fire code, right, and in certain building regulations. Why? For the well-being and safety of uh its uh, attendees um but the state has no right to cross over and interfere in um in things of the church's sphere such as calling worship services so getting back to covid itself here the the church ha- uh, the, the, the state has absolutely no right to say you cannot gather for the sacred duty of the call to worship if you know God summons you and you're not allowed to go because you might get sick and die or, or infect other people, that's not for them to decide. Um, but likewise, a church where it governs its ecclesiastical affairs and everything of itself, the church can't go in. Uh, you know, the church still needs to pay its taxes and, and abide to the government in that manner. Right. Um, so there's things that are lawful and unlawful. Um, Kuiper would take this though, without going into uh, further examples at the time, because of time itself, uh, time's sake. 
Uh, he'll, he'll also say, well, likewise, we need individual uh, schools um, that are, are Christian institutions, uh, ones that aren't directly under the authority of the church or of the state. We need private institutions that operate by general Christian principles to guide us. Uh, I'll turn that over to Andrew. Of, uh, if you like, but uh, yeah, uh, that 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 is laying a basis for it uh, of the concept. Yeah. So really, uh, what what we're trying to get at with sphere sovereignty is, um, how does Christ's kingship and his comprehensive kingship, his lordship, his rule over all things, how does it apply in the world? Um, and I think what's helpful about thinkers like Bob Inc. and Kuiper in this discussion is not there weren't quite living in as modern of a word, yeah, as modern of a world as now, you know, they all uh, were over 100 years ago, but more modern than like some of the earlier reformed thought on church state relations. And, you know, we have a lot of discussions going on, at least we do here in the States regarding things like Christian nationalism. And, you know, there's a lot of a push towards an idea of, well, let's go back to the, you know, 16th, 17th century. Let's actually have a Christian government, um, Christian prince, those sort of things. And I mean, maybe it's an ideal, but maybe there's merit to those ideas. But part of the situation we have to deal with is that's that's not the hand we have right now. How do how does the kingship of Christ apply in the modern world? But also, how do we apply these things in the situation we have? And how can we actually um, engage culture, engage the world as Christians, and be faithful? And how can we have the kind of world that um, not only is good, but you know, the kind of world that we want to live in, the kind of world that we want to raise our families in, the kind of world that we want to worship God in? Um, how do we build institutions? How do we uh, how do we identify and deal with tyranny? I mean, this was the question that came up frequently during COVID. And, you know, I'll be honest, what pushed me a lot in this direction was COVID and seeing how that fleshed out and seeing some of the theological discussions around it. There was a, a large strain, probably the predominant strain, um, at least of uh the elites in Christianity here in America, elite evangelicals, basically saying we need to comply with the government and whatever they tell us to do. It's an issue of loving neighbor, um, so on and so forth. And yet we're not able to worship God. It's like we're so focused on the second table of the law, we're losing the first table of the law in there somewhere because we're not actually coming together and worshiping God as he has commanded us to do. Um I'd watch a lot of Christians attacking Christians for simply gathering in worship. And to me, that was just unacceptable. Uh, where I was at in California, I saw a lot of that and was very disappointed by it. And uh, I, I, so that really is what got me to think about it. But yeah, it's how do we in the modern world actually uh, live as Christians? And, and like I said, I mentioned this before the show, but it was before we were rolling our applications may come out different from Kuiper and Bob Inc. Like for instance, I've done some work on OFAD about our seminaries and about their funding and accreditation and things like that. So one of the main controversies that Bob Inc. and Kuiper were dealing with was the schools question in the Netherlands. And 
how do we get government funding for Christian schools? And I've kind of taken a different tack of given, at least in America, how federal funding works and how the government wields the power of the purse and uses funding as a way to impose ideology and agendas and policy on institutions that take it. I've basically taken the tack of, no, actually, our schools shouldn't take this money. And if mm-hmm. they are taking it, they need to stop. Yeah. Um, because we have an issue where we can't faithfully, the schools can't faithfully fulfill their calling, can't, uh, you know, do what they are called to do in their sphere. Uh, because by taking that money, they're basically letting the government interfere in ways they have no business doing. Yeah. Yeah. If I could add, uh, uh, actually onto that for a sec here. Sure. sure yeah. Go ahead. Uh, to, to hit you directly, your, your, the, the question, uh, in terms of biblical, um, here, so, so in, in Hebrews two, you have, you have this concept of, you know, uh, sorry, in Hebrews two, it says, you know, uh, but we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while now crowned with glory and honor. And because he had suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Um, this, you get this already, this, this, the statement of it, Christ is crowned with glory and he has, uh, you know, he is, he's, everything has been put, uh, under, has been put under him. Nothing is left, uh, you know, outside of his, uh, outside of his rule and dominion. Um, you know, Christ is, is revealed, uh, in general, to to creation as the Lord, the Lord God, uh, in, but it is in the darkness uh, of man's heart and the suppression of unrighteousness that that is that is even denied in the first place. It doesn't change the reality, though. As uh, cautions one fifteen twenty uh, is the one that really comes to mind. In, in basically the concept here is the sun uh, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation for in him, all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So we, we already have a, a principle of, of, of this is going back before the foundations of the earth, right? Whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him, but also for him. Uh, he is before all things. In him, all things hold together. He sustains and governs by his word of power. Uh, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead. Why? So that in everything he might have the supremacy. So uh, part part of the principle, uh, in, in, you can go further in with passages like, um, you know, Genesis 1, uh, 26 to 27, uh, what, what's often called the, the, the dominion mandate or the cultural mandate. Right. Uh, man is to uh, fill the earth to tame it and subdue it. We know Adam failed in that. And yet there was still continued cultivation of the continuation of society. Um, Adam and Eve immediately when they're fallen, they go and they take fig leaves and they sew them together. We see them still, even though they're fallen, they're still showing a mastery over the things in creation. By taking leaves, forming them, taking the materials of the earth and utilizing them. Um, the Lord has this continue on in the preservation and the providence and sustaining and directing of history, ultimately to pave the way to create the context and backdrop for Christ the Redeemer to appear, to do his work, place all things formally under his feet and be, and be seated with authority and power in the heavens at the right hand of God Almighty. The uh so but but now there's there's something of a real there's a relocation of the dominion mandate, I believe, in uh the Great Commission. 
you know, we, we have to understand, we have to understand that if, if we're to do anything in the world, in society, uh, if we're too cultivated, if we're to tame it, it must be done under service of the gospel's proclamation for he sends us out uh, into the world, you know, to, um, to baptize, to, uh, to make disciples of every nation. We are to fill the earth and subdue it, but spiritually, particularly, um, but this, this, this creates that very question for Kuiper of, well, how did, uh, you know, so, so, so what does your life during the week look like then? Are yeah. you as a Christian going and proclaiming that word? Are you showing that we, we live uh, as people who are virtually, who are ambassadors of Christ? How do you make everything, how do you have everything be subject to the Lord? Um, the, the the idea had been had been grabbed a hold of in the uh, 20th century especially by his own son um uh henry kuiper um and amongst others uh uh herman uh Duyward. you know these guys uh would, would grab onto these ideas and they they took them to certain extremes that kuiper didn't apply them in such as a notion of 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 common grace and general revelation that itself is redeeming okay but they they think that you know you the things in this world and in this society can be actually redeemed in the here and now that you can have an eschatological reflection you know in this world you can literally claim these things for christ but kuiper doesn't teach that he only talks about that they are all the backdrop to uh, general revelation is the backdrop to special revelation all ends serve special revelation the eschaton um, so it's, you take anything though in this world and how do you have it influenced by <clears throat> scriptures, principles, it's teachings. Yeah. The, pra- the practical theology needs to serve the gospel. At the, exactly. At the end of the day, right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. No, uh, if we can move on from, from the sphere sovereignty a bit, just yeah. for the sake of it, a few more topics. Yeah. I think that'd be interesting because I think if we move into uh, artificial intelligence, you guys have done a bit on this too. Uh, that's a real area of, of practical theology, something that Christians absolutely need to be thinking about and discussing too. Um, so I'm back. Uh, sorry about that, listeners. We'll jump back into AI. Uh, so this is, like I was saying, very interesting area to discuss. You guys have discussed it a bit in the podcast. Uh, like personally, my point of view, not that anyone really cares, I'm just the host, but uh yeah, I think it's a very interesting development, and I think um, there's certainly pros and cons to it. But I'm I'm actually kind of largely uh, excited about it for the most part. Um, but I feel like you guys are a little more down on it when I listen to your podcast. So maybe uh, Andrew, I'll throw it over to you. What what are your thoughts on AI? Where are we going? Is this, this the end of the world? What's up? Yeah, I just uh, and we did our very we did almost two hours on AI. I think when we did it. Um, it's not something that a lot of Christian podcasts seem to be talking about. There's a few of them out there that are. I think the issue with AI is we just don't really know the can of worms that we've opened. This stuff is moving faster than uh, it can be reined in or controlled. And it's just raising a lot of issues and a lot of difficulties that we've never really had to think about before. In a time in society, in a time in civilization where uh, the world is pretty immoral and not thinking about these things in moral terms and ethical terms. So um, 
I mean, I think AI has potential and it has potentially good and valid uses, but I'm I'm not I'm not full Butlery and Jihad to make the Dune reference that we just need to blow it all up. But I do think we need to be careful. I think maybe there's a need for some regulation. When we talked about it on our show, um, we raised a few different issues. One of the things we talked about is uh, a man in Belgium. Uh, and this actually ended up being the springboard for our climate change episode. Basically, you had an, one of these AI chatbot apps uh basically a substitute for a friend i guess and basically it talked him into killing himself into committing suicide because he was uh contributing to climate change uh which is pretty pretty crazy pretty bizarre to to think that an ai chatbot could carry that kind of power and influence over a person we talked about some of the economic factors we talked about the potential for job displacements there are basically entire industries that AI uh, even already could potentially start to just wipe out. And that's a problem when you suddenly create a lot of unemployment. Now, this collides with another issue that I think we've hinted at it on the show, but we haven't really got to. Maybe we will at some point is a population collapse, demographic collapse. Will AI help to fill in the gaps as there's not enough workers to do the jobs that need done? Maybe, maybe not. But the way it's happening now, it's kind of just happening in this chaotic and uncontrolled way. There's also the problem with the way that AI, the main AI programs like chat GPT and such have been programmed to um, to uh, towards a, a left leaning ideology. Oh, yeah. You, know, you can't get you. you They have a certain political bias. And people are just going to them to get answers on things, maybe not knowing this and maybe not getting the best information. AI tends to be inaccurate. Um, they have found that, uh, for instance, there was a lawyer. I don't remember if we talked about this on our show or not, but there was a lawyer here in the States who got in big trouble because they had they used AI to help write their case briefings. And it was citing legal cases that didn't actually exist and saying mm -hmm. that, yeah, these happened and these were ruled this way. Um, so that's a problem. Um, we talked about Chaos GPT, which Chaos GPT is a basically a project to build an AI system to come up with a way to destroy all humans and destroy the world, which it's like, I mean, that's every sci-fi about AI. It's like they went they went straight to doing that. Yeah, quite possibly the stupidest project to start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just what confirm if... everybody's fears about this right out the gate. Yeah. Why, why would you do something unless you want to be successful at it? But wait, you don't want to be successful at that. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. You know, the, uh, yeah, perhaps to balance it, um, perhaps to balance it, uh, you know, at least, at least for me, I think what it is is, um, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm not exactly like, you know, I hate it. Um, what it is is, you know, I, I for me, I'm, I'm pessimistic uh, about secularism uh, as it is, but I'm, I'm optimistic um, concerning Christ and Christ's, you know, plan. Um, so that, that ties very much into the, the nature of worldview. You know, there's there's it's not that I'm, a, you know, a, for, you know, I, I'm like, a, oh, the world, you know, the world is is uh, well, I am that the world is, you know, is is is, is evil. But it's just that, you know, but nonetheless, Christ is still at work. Um, and I do think that these things can be can be, uh, if you will, um, subdued 
and tamed in the, uh, you know, in the service of Christ. And, and it takes some creative thinking though. Um, I'm not the person for the tech stuff like that, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, even when we think in terms of, uh, AI, you know, it's not just like chatbot or a, um, or, you know, the, the Sophia robots or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, AI has already been around for quite a while. Uh, you know, uh, Siri, Siri is an AI system. Alexa is an AI system. You know, um, we, we, we've been utilizing things like, you know, Google Translate and all that uh, for a while now, voice recognition, text speech. Um, so clearly those those are helpful things. Uh, you know, people that uh, have um, certain, uh, you know, various disabilities or, or very extreme, uh, I think, uh, areas of cerebral palsy, you know, that, that can't, uh, people that may not be able to speak, you know, yeah. um, they use AI systems to communicate. Um, you know, to, to us. So there's, there's a, there's a good thing in this. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, you know, when you, when you also at the same time, yeah, see, see chaos GP, you're just kind of like, uh, uh, chaos GPT, you're just kind of like, what are we doing? (laughs) Yeah. Right. We could do so much more, but it's, it's moving so fast is, is the point, um, that when you already have, you know, uh, the European nations going and saying, Hey, we need to start doing some regulations here. Uh, I see so many articles of, of, you know, for one thing saying this is like, you know, the next wave, if you will, a third wave of, of uh, modern technology that we are already getting out of an internet age and entering into the AI age. Uh, is that a premature declaration? Probably, but yeah. still people think about it. Um, it's- I've seen someone go and call this like, you know, the next development of the, uh, uh, the Nietzschean uh, Ubermensch. That this is uh, how we can get into the next area of man. Yeah, you know, transhumanism. Yeah, transhumanism, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's another one. That that another topic that we bring up occasionally, recurring, but we haven't actually <clears throat> done a devoted episode on. <laughs> it, yeah, it seems like every layer of uh, technological "quote unquote" progress, which certainly in some ways it, it is at least just straight up tech technology uh, as far as technology is concerned the gain is that much more but the the downside is that much more too right so yeah like the internet mm-hmm. huge boom fantastic for a lot of reasons also terrible mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons so mm-hmm. like take your pick like we've asked a question on the show before and i asked people like if you could like would you go back and take it all away and like people struggle with that one like if you really think about all the pros <laughs> and cons i don't know there's not a good answer to that but the world just keeps moving on. But to go back yeah, to your earlier yeah. point about, about worldview, we, we had a, I did an episode on eschatology a couple months back. And like, that's, it's so important too. When you, you think about an issue like AI, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm just, I, I'm like you, like I'm pessimistic in terms of the culture, but I'm optimistic in terms of like, okay, well, Christ is still King and we got to mm-hmm. get in the arena. We got to get involved. That's why we do a show like this. Like we got to be yeah. out there. We got to be talking about it. Got to let people know. And like, mm-hmm. it, we're at a key point in, in history where like, we need to really, to get out and think about the ethics of like what we're programming into AI. Because mm-hmm. I mean, at least at this point still, like we control it. So we mm-hmm. gotta we gotta be smart about how it gets programmed. You guys talked about it on your show too. When you play around with it, you, you see the biases mm-hmm. that's that's worked into it. Or at the very least, it'll just stop you and it won't give you like a real good defense of like, for example, a, a scriptural conservative Christian, whatever you want to call it, view. Mm-hmm. Um and uh 
yeah, it's just interesting to see see the biases at play there. But we need to. It's almost, it's almost like Wikipedia, a generation, a generating. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, it just sounds like Wikipedia information, you know, and no, no, uh, entirely trustworthy sources. <laughs> yeah, it's killer though for search. I will say that. Like, I love it. Like, I don't <laughs> use it all the time, but if you're doing research for something and then you want to like you can learn a lot about a topic and granted this is the this is the downside where it's like what's being inputted into it where mm-hmm. you know what are you actually learning but mm-hmm. if, if if it could be done in a trustworthy manner even just about mm-hmm. stuff that's like a little cortical more neutral just like if you want to know how something works mechanically or something like very handy it's a good tool that way so i'm not too mm-hmm. down on it mm-hmm. in that regard and uh yeah whatever it's just the next evolution sure. of the internet sure. you can't stop it so <laughs> The, the, the jobs thing also to, to flip back to what you're saying earlier, Andrew, too. I think like if yeah. it happens really quick, there'd be job losses, but you see it in every way of the technology history. Like people like old jobs get phased out, but new ones get created. Like, I just think that's like God's like created humanity with that, that gift of ingenuity. That's part of that, that creation mandate, right? That dominion. Mm-hmm. We just, mm-hmm. if, if we, if we get rid of a mundane task, Although interestingly enough, it actually is taking more white collar jobs. But either way, we get rid of a certain task and then we just think of another job and another avenue to serve people or or to to make honestly just to make money and find another job. So I don't know. We 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 seem to find a way yeah, somehow. I, yeah, I think one of the things this is maybe a separate discussion that we haven't really fight, had, fight, but fight. uh <laughs> um I guess one of the things we have to think about when we're thinking about technology is can technology actually outstrip human control and human competency? You know, one of the things we're seeing now is uh, is we're seeing the the boomer generation retire. We're seeing a loss of a lot of skills. We're seeing, for instance, like a lot of things still run on old computer systems and you can't find programmers who know those languages anymore and know how to code them. And you just kind of start to see that the complex systems that run a lot of our world just don't work as well as they used to think of like error traffic control. There's been major over the last couple of years, an uptick in major incidents causing disruptions of air traffic control, or even just like, if you have to get a car fixed, it's a lot harder to get parts. It's a lot harder to get your car worked on. Uh, just things like this that have just kind of always run, always run, always run. And yet now as the people that run the technology and know it age out, and there's not really a transfer of that kind of knowledge. What's going to happen with all of this stuff? Um, I don't know. Well, that's a good point. I don't, yeah. So I, and I just with AI, it's it seems like it's already outrunning us and it just started. So, yeah, we might end up. Yeah, no, that's true. I think we are losing a lot of skills that way if we're not careful. Like, I, I mean, the construction industry, and I see that often enough where, like, if you're a site super, you're building a, a condo building or whatever. Like, granted, I got a lot of respect for that. It's a hard job. It's a lot of moving pieces and parts, but <laughs> I don't know. I just, you run into a lot of people. You're like, how are you in this job, man? Like the people are entrusting you to build this six, eight, 10, whatever story building. Mm-hmm. And like, you're the guy running it. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not old enough to know what it used to be like, but you run into a lot of incompetence out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it is, it is concerning that way for sure. All right. Well, maybe we beat AI to death for a little bit and we might have to come back to it at some point and kind of <laughs> do a deep dive on the fundamentals and the ethics and whatnot. But uh, it's just a fun topic. I, I love talking about that. So mm-hmm. if anybody, if any listeners uh, of either of our shows, because uh, I don't know if you mentioned that off the top, but you guys are going to repost this on your channel as well. Uh, have any thoughts or suggestions, feel free to reach out. 
let me know for a good guest on that topic to really to really dive into it. Okay, so uh, a few more things, and then we'll kind of wrap her up. Uh, obviously, the main connection you mentioned earlier, Caleb, uh, Dr. Van Dam, you guys had him on your show. I believe you talked about Genesis. Um, do you want to do you want to cover uh, cover that for, for our listeners for like uh, briefly five minutes or whatever? Give a quick synopsis of what was how'd you get first of all how'd you guys get in touch with them and then uh, how did that episode go? What you all talk about? Well, uh, I could I could start off with that. Um, yeah, uh, I like to just generate a bunch of ideas and throw them onto lists. And one of them, or one of them, some time ago in in us looking at transition over to once for all delivered. Uh, wanted to, you know, get back into doing interviews. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's at the time, uh, I was reflecting quite a lot on, uh, on things in creation day, uh, you know, on the creation week, um, and reflecting on Genesis a good bit. I think about that same time, uh, Andrew had just started preaching through Genesis. If not, it was right before he did. Um, and, uh, one 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 area of, of interest, I guess you could say, uh, that for Andrew and I is uh, is um, wrestling through and breaking down uh, the the I guess what you can call it, like the, the alternative uh, for us that we see very much as 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 compromising um, interpretations of the creation week. So frame the framework hypothesis being one um day age theory that kind of stuff theistic evolution you know we uh uh you know we, we talk about that kind of stuff a good bit uh, on the side um and uh you know we're, we're we're both uh you know six day literal sequential uh, uh creationists um but yeah i had been uh i, I had picked up um dr ben Dem's, uh uh volume in the beginning um his uh his uh, expositions of uh, Genesis one and two, uh, and I was working through it. Loved it. Wanted to get him on the show. So after after a while, um, you know, I finally just just uh, looked through, found his email on on uh, the Canadian Reformed Theological Seminary, uh, or found uh, the contact information there, and uh, sent out an email. And we just started talking, and invited him out to come onto the show. Uh, and he very uh, graciously uh, and willingly took the time to do so. Uh, took a little bit of coordinating, um, but uh, yeah, we 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 had him on to speak about uh, um, basically things like, well, why why do people go you know so far afield from the authority of scripture and what seems to be this 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 plain reading and and the you know people will say the six day sequential young earth creation is not the traditional view of the church. So we 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 spoke about that a little bit. Um, we spoke about uh, Darwin's influence. We I think we spoke a little bit about uh, the influence of ancient Near Eastern archaeology. Um, so yeah, we were, we we're covering a covering a breadth of of uh, topics there. Um, so that that's the background for kind of that that connection. Um, Andrew, if you wanted to add more to that, yeah, and it was a very good conversation. Um, it's a topic that. You know, I personally I care about because uh, I mentioned earlier where I went to seminary and that was Meredith Quine School, and they're very much the keepers and continued promoters of Meredith Quine's ideology. And Meredith Quine was a major proponent of the framework view. Um, 
it's one of many of Hwine's views that I have come to disagree with. And I've like documented that on Twitter and in other places. Um, but uh, I just think we have a very large and growing disconnect between what the Academy wants and what the Academy seeks after when it's studying the Bible and when it's studying theology and what the church actually believes and practices and wants in its ministers and in its teachers. And I think the probably the place where this is most obvious is looking at the issue of creation, because in general, the vast majority, I would say, of our NAPAR congregants, they hold to a literal six-day, uh, 24-hour sequential account of creation. And they believe this. They want to believe this. They want ministers that believe this. And yet in the seminaries, in the academy, you're seeing this intense pressure, uh, not just on the schools themselves, but the schools put on their students to embrace these alternative views. So and like on the one hand, it's like, you see this compromise here on doctrine, on moving away from what has been the almost consensus view of the church throughout history on the basis of science, which is a constantly moving target, on the basis of wanting to maintain appeal to the secular academy, which we're never going to do enough to please those guys. Um so, yeah, I think it's important that we actually draw a line here and say, yeah, no, we're not changing our views on this and the church shouldn't. And it should be scandalous that so many are trying to pressure the church and its institutions to embrace compromise on this, even to the detriment yeah. of students and graduates that embrace these views. It's a it's a scandal and nobody wants to talk about it. So I guess we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it, I was, well, I was just going to say for listeners, if they want to uh, get some more info on that, um, Andrew just did, a, did an episode all on that topic. So <laughs> mm-hmm. well, if I could flip the uh, actually also in the other direction too of what Andrew's saying that the exact same, but from the reverse, you know, it's um, uh, yeah, you know, we, we have to really, we have to really take every thought captive, you know, um, and not be given over to the vain, uh, to the vain imaginations and deceits and the philosophies of this age. Um, a lot of science, you know, in our days, we, we oftentimes want to want to defer to, well, I'm not the expert, you know, uh, on one end, we'll say we're not the expert, we're going to leave it to the ex, you know, to to the scientists, when the scientists can't tell you, you know, uh, uh, the bio- uh, the the difference between a uh, a man and a woman. Um, you know, so they, they want to tell us what the, uh, they want to tell us about the origins of the universe now. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, we, we oftentimes also assume a uniformitarian view of science that all things have just always operated by the same laws of nature from however long ago, billions of years, they say, what I appreciate with, with, uh, you know, with, with Dr. Van Dam is, um, uh, you know, he's he, he's taking all these things into consideration and, and the other interpretations of, you know, uh, of the Bible, uh, uh, these other explanations of the creation view. And he's saying he's saying, no, no, look, look in Scripture, you know, uh, look in other passages outside of Genesis one and two, you know, go throughout the Bible. Look what. God himself says about these things and see if from God's own language and own teachings, if this 
uh, if this connects and supports what the scientists are saying, and remember which is the higher authority. Uh, Dr. Van Dam is 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 uh, excellent in always driving us back to scripture. Very good, very good. Well, I, I haven't listened to that one personally yet. But I'll have to certainly check it out. Interesting topic. I was actually just uh, uh, on vacation this summer. I went to uh, Kentucky with my family. We visited the uh, Creation Museum and mm. uh, the Ark as well, which was uh, if you ever been there, it's it's a cool experience. It's definitely worthwhile. And, mm. One of the well, apart from just you know seeing how giant the ark is and how crazy of a uh, yeah of a adventure that must have been to build in seventy five years or less too, which I yeah probably knew at some point but just forgot about. Um, it's just like the the clear contrast at the Creation Museum between the you have the same set of facts and then you have an evolutionary understanding of those facts and you have a creation based understanding of those facts mm-hmm. and just to to just get through the propaganda which yeah like I'm. Raised Christian, been Christian my whole life, went to Christian school, all that jazz. But like just the evolutionary mm-hmm. um, impulse uh, just is completely permeated through culture and, and you hear it everywhere. So it's just it's nice to go down there and, and to see, OK, like, mm-hmm. oh, like the, <laughs> there's another side to this. This isn't just a crazy view to hold. And uh, mm-hmm. like if you start with scripture, uh, there there's there is science to back it up. And, and as you mentioned, Andrew, there's uh, it's also a moving target. It's very uh mm-hmm. Very dependent on the presuppositions. That's what mm-hmm. I'm coming to, coming to see. Okay. Uh, well, gents, uh, we got to keep this uh, somewhat tight, somewhat under an hour and a half. One more thing we want to hit, and then we'll uh, we'll look to wrap things up. You guys have done a, a bunch of work on comparing uh, different confessions. Um, do you guys want to discuss that? Maybe I'll throw it over to Andrew, and then uh, Caleb's round it out. And we'll go for it. Yeah. So. Uh... I mentioned at the beginning, you know, kind of my journey. I went through the URC and then ended up in the OPC, a uh, Presbyterian denomination that uses the Westminster standards. I began as a reformed person in the PCA, so I kind of went full circle, Presbyterian to Dutch reformed to back to Presbyterian. I mentioned we started our show. We had Mark Scaturro, another Presbyterian on. Uh, So, you know, we've always kind of been thinking about and interested in sort of the ecumenical reform faith. And, uh, you know, we recognize there are ways in which the traditions and the denominations and such of our uh, reformed heritage are different, but there's also ways in which they're the same. And so basically what we've done in our comparing catechism series is we're just walking through um, the Heidelberg catechism along with the Westminster uh, we started with just the shorter catechism. We've kind of branched out into the larger catechism as well. And just basically talking about um, the ways they're similar, the ways they're different, the different points of emphasis they have. And I think it's just helpful to look at this stuff and talk about this stuff and, uh, you know, also to make application of it as we go along, because we're very interested in theology, but also culture and how do we use this stuff in our lives? How does our doctrine translate into practice? Um, so it's been a good exercise. I know for me, I, I hope it has for our listeners as well. Caleb? Yeah. So that, that's, uh, so that's exactly it too, with uh, what Andrew said there, especially at the end. Um, so again, as, as, you know, uh, us as, as now uh, uh, full-time ministers, um you know, Andrew had uh, in his time uh, in the URC, you know, uh, in in exhorting, you know, it was it got to, uh, you know, do evening sermons on the catechism. So uh, Andrew would also mention, you know, he even now in the OPC in the evening, you'll he'll do a brief exposition um, of the uh, Westminster Shorter. 
um, you know, and morning, then, uh, actually morning, sorry, in the morning, yeah. <laughs> sorry, misrepresent, <laughs> uh, the, uh, ninth commandment violation. No, no, the, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, and then I, I do evening sermons, of course, in the, in the catechism too. Um, so in in some ways, you know, we're we're already uh, often times when we don't have a lot of time to to yet put together a uh, episode on on a, a more particular topic. Uh, us being able to go uh, meet together and talk through the catechisms um, through the catechisms um, is what we see as a good, helpful way to continue bringing ed- uh, materials to. Uh, to listeners, um, that's hopefully edifying, um, and gives us a break from you know the uh, from from trying to be on a super tight schedule of pumping out a little bit more thicker stuff at times. Uh, AI, you know, again, uh, it could be easy, could be really heady. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we so we take our, our our materials and things that we've studied or spoken of in the past, or you know, our, our various things there and. Uh, we utilize uh, often um, Joel Beakey and Sinclair Ferguson's Harmony of the Reformed Confessions, which has uh, tables and charts of uh, which of the Reformed standards, uh, including the Second Helvetic Confession, um, which match up to which between the traditions. Um, right. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a very edifying thing. Um, uh, you know, I, I, we we get to kind of talk a little bit more about. Um, directly on on scriptural exposition, scriptural doctrine, and then uh, yeah, just kind of see how those match up in our in our uh, respective ends here. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm much more primed, I guess you could say, I guess towards towards a lot of the Dutch thought um, and to, to Dutch theology itself, the continental tradition, and uh, um, in in its various various branches. Uh, Andrew, uh, you know, being able to to, to talk through the uh, so through the uh, Westminster standards helps me really, uh, you know, grasp other areas or er- other areas of articulation uh, that I don't think about. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. It's it's more yeah. heavily focused on the the theology side of your podcast, the culture and the theology. Mm-hmm. 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 Cool, cool. Well, guys, this has been a blast. I've enjoyed chatting and getting to know you. Um, since this is kind of on on your your podcast as well. Um, for your listeners, anything you want to know about Real Talk or anything that's going on in Canada, feel feel free to shoot me a question or two if you want. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to ask a little bit about kind of this the formation of Real Talk. I only heard a little bit from uh, in reading through the about and such, um, you know, and uh, kind of piecing a little bit together from uh, from Mariah as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Just from the emails between us, but uh, yeah, how did how did this kind of form? You mentioned a little bit before about uh, about your uh, you know at work, about you guys yeah. at work. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I'll give you the Coles notes. So yeah, yeah, basically, so I started working with Tyler. He hired me oh, four four years ago now, and then long story short, ended up becoming business partners, and whatnot. And he ended up moving out to Calgary to start a branch out there. So that's that's where he's at right now. But uh, originally, back in the day, we were in his garage, um, just me and him every day. And uh, just whatever. Work was slow. We were just trying to generate leads and whatnot. So we'd spend a lot of time just gabbing about church and uh, politics and, and the like and whatnot. And then, of course, COVID hit at a certain point, too. So that really accelerated things. And we have these magazines up up uh, here in Canada, uh, Clarion and the Canadian Reformed Circles. And, uh, of course, Reformed Perspective for, uh, mm-hmm. for across 
kind of all over form denominations for over 10,000 uh, 10, households now, 10,000 copies that gets distributed. So that's uh, mm. that's fantastic reach for RP. So on the magazine front, strong, there's a great presence there, but uh, nobody was really doing the podcast thing, at least in the form circles mm. of Canada. Certainly not like an interview style show, um, mm. like whatever. I've, I've been a big podcast guy for a long time and I like uh, I like the interview style ones. It's very popular, and you learn a lot when you have people on. Just it's it's a simple format. Just a couple of schmoes who don't mm-hmm. know too much, and we bring on smart people, and we ask them questions, and we try to learn with the audience. And it's good fun. We uh, it's been a great education along the way. So we kind of we were going to go solo, just do it ourselves, and then we ended up getting in touch with our P. Mm-hmm. They had designs to kind of do something like this anyway. So we partnered with them. Mm-hmm. They're very gracious uh, and trusted towards us to. To give us this opportunity and, and here we are we've been doing it just over three years now so we're this is probably episode 79 if i'm not mistaken 80 yeah. yeah yeah somewhere in that range so uh <laughs> yeah it's it's good we do it every two uh weeks and we i don't know if we've had very many misses on that at all uh we typically do three shows interview shows and then uh, four shows kind of a we call the real talk roundup a few guests on and uh, and kind of discuss uh, the last three episodes, our thoughts, and then any, any sort of interesting feedback that kind of came through. So that's uh, that's kind of where the whole podcast came. We cover we cover a very broad spectrum, similar to what you guys have kind of mm-hmm. rebranded as um, a lot of cultural stuff. Um, a lot of just well, have authors on. They talk about books and they have interesting uh, interesting topics in the cultural milieu. Um, mm-hmm. And then sometimes some theology, some some internal church church politics, church polity, that sort of thing too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're in the same same sphere that way, uh, to use the to t- the term of podcast <laughs> maybe, and uh, and I think that's why we're we got connected. And so it's that's why it's been so enjoyable chatting with you guys. And if your listeners uh, have any interest to to hear what's going on in Canada, uh, not that it's always Canadian content, but it, it definitely does uh, filter in pretty heavily to to our content for sure. Yeah, yeah, I got. Uh... I only got to hear a little bit, uh, you know, one name of uh, Greg uh, Bilsma uh, caught my eye, um, yeah. you know, so I, I had to listen to that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I especially uh, I saw that you were doing, a, you know, I, I'd, I'd seen the topic on, on wokeism and I'm reading yeah. right now through Owen Strachan's uh, Christianity and, uh, and wokeism. So that, yeah, that was that was an excellent, uh, I thought that was an excellent episode. Um, definitely commend that to our listeners as well. Um, uh but yeah, I, I, as I, I haven't gotten time yet to to go much more beyond uh, a couple of those, and it's just. But I, in looking through them, you know, I'm like, yeah, man, these are great topics. These are uh, these are the same kind of stuff that we, I think that uh, that we like, you know. So it's uh, definitely some good. I think uh, some good. Uh, I would hope. Uh, uh, what's the word? Um, yeah, uh, uh, cross promotion. No, 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 no. I was gonna say, uh, you know, good. Uh, 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 co-patriotism there. Uh, you guys, yeah. uh, you guys have, uh, you know, very like-minded, I think. So fellow it's, laborers. Yeah. 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 There you go. That's yeah. A good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we, uh, you know, down here in the States, I mean, there's a lot of reform podcasts. There's way too many reform podcasts. I can't even like begin to even like sample all of them. But I do I have noticed like there ten there's a tendency among reform podcasts in the states to be either very uh, I won't mention names, but they tend to be like very eggheaded and technical and just going down into the deep, deep minutiae of theology to where even like, you know, I've been through seminary and, you know, 
I, and I even still like, I don't even know what they're talking about. Or on the other hand, they're just so hyper, like church focused and all about things going on in the church, which is fine. You know, we need those. We can talk about those. Uh, but there tends to be kind of a lack of shows that are interested in taking good reform doctrine and then, yeah, just putting it into practice. Um, and that, that's part of why we rebranded is we wanted to do more of that and away from, I guess, being one of those eggheaded, you know, let's hyper focus on one theologian type podcasts. So yeah. yeah. yeah Andrew, Andrew is bald and has, has an egghead. In that way. Uh, that's so, true. It's I, I'm more literally so than most. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I would ask, uh, so, you know, if we're going to cross post this on OFAD, so if our listeners are looking for you, where, where can they find you? Yeah, sure. Uh, we have a website, uh, realtalkpodcast.ca. Um, so you can check us out there and that's got links to, to all of our various channels where you can find podcasts, whichever advice, uh, is your preference. Um, and then we have a YouTube channel too. So it's, it's got a video component. Uh, it's not very advanced, but, uh, for those of you who like video, including my grandmother watches faithfully, uh, mm-hmm. thank you for watching grandma. And, uh, yes, the video is, is also for you too. So, and for anybody of all <laughs> ages, uh, cause people do enjoy being able to see our faces. For uh, for one reason or another, I suppose, and uh, I can't imagine why. But uh, yeah, so that's you can find our YouTube channel as well. It's just uh, Real Talk. If you if you search Real Talk on YouTube, you won't find it because unfortunately, uh, surprisingly, we're not the biggest Real Talk out there. Should have picked a little more of a unique name. But if you search Reformed Real Talk or Reformed Perspective Real Talk, it comes up every time. And uh, feel free to subscribe there for uh, some good content. At least I would say interesting content, informative. That's kind of what we're all for. <laughs> yeah. The, the basic gist of it is just like whatever. I think we have a fantastic basis, uh, well, in our faith broadly, and also specifically in, in Reformed theology to go out mm-hmm. and, and to apply it to our everyday walk, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think that there should be really any questions we're afraid to ask. Like, you know, mm-hmm. our God has the answers. We, we may not even have the answers necessarily right now, but it's it, mm-hmm. there's a lot of questions worth asking, but we should be in favor of open and honest discussion. And uh, especially in the, a lot of areas of, of Christian liberty too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like how are we actually mm-hmm. going to, how, how are we going to deal with AI or are we going to deal with this difficult church issue or, you know, whatever, the, the rise of Satanism and Satanism in the culture. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, I mean, that, that's just kind of general. Like, that's bad. <laughs> Avoid that. Yeah, that's but, bad. Uh, Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think we can safely say that on this podcast, but uh yeah, there's just a, a million uh, interesting issues to talk about. And I don't know, I just, uh, at least for like when Tyler and myself got this thing going, I think we just looked at a podcast in like a secular arena, like uh, the Joe Rogan experience and just mm-hmm. kind of his approach to just, he'll have almost anybody on a little less of Stacey's a little more. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and just, I, I like that approach of just open and honest dialogue and yeah, that's what we're trying to do about uh, mm-hmm. issues that are relevant to perform Christians in today's world. Now, I was uh, I was going to ask if uh, so I'll put you on the spot here. So if you're in uh, which episodes would you recommend me uh, in now starting up and, and uh, going into real talk here? Uh, some of your favorite episodes that that come to mind. Yeah, well, that's a good I question. Ask that make your mind go blank. But, you know, <laughs> uh, actually, that's not bad because uh, a couple episodes ago we had our three year anniversary. So we picked through some of our favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh one you guys would definitely <laughs> like is the CanRC URC one episode fifty six. Yeah. We discussed the differences uh-huh. there. That's a very <laughs> popular one. People appreciate that one. Uh, whew, let's see. There's yeah some nitty gritty ones. Um, 
we well, one of the most popular ones ever was the uh, <coughs> COVID conversations one, episode 45. Mm-hmm. So we had two Ontario uh, MPPs on, uh, state legislators for you guys, that level, mm-hmm. provincial guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was quite fascinating. Uh, let's see. That's not a good one. We had uh, Joe Boot on the podcast at one point talking mm-hmm. church and state. Mm-hmm. That's probably a familiar name for, for you guys as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, there's, uh, there's, yeah, there's so many good ones. It's hard to pick. I don't want to. You know, I'm not. Uh, oh, sure. all, all guests are we'll great. Just have to go I, through. Yeah, there's. Uh, yeah, I couldn't think. There's a, a good early one too for you. Is uh, we did we had Pastor. If you want more like a human interest story, but obviously reform twist to it, uh, we had Pastor Al Bazoian on in episode nine, I believe that was, and he mm-hmm. is a a great pastor, local pastor in this area again, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a recovery alcoholic, so. Yeah, he had, he had quite the testimony on that podcast too. So mm. a lot of people appreciated that one. But those would be three that kind of come to mind. Uh, but yeah, we got almost 80 in the catalog. So so pick through, let us know. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's a, that's a blast. I'm especially curious on that uh, Can RC, URC one. I have uh, one of my favorite interests on the side is, of course, our boy Klaus Skoder. Nice. <laughs> nice. And pecking through differences in Can RC. Yes. Oh, excellent. Well, we're looking forward to that as well. And okay. listening. All right. Well, I'll transition back to host here again. And uh, we're, right. we're <laughs> <wrap her up. laughs> kind of a funny, funny transition. We all did the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's been the revolving host this show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a blast, you guys. Uh, I'll, I'll just give you a quick opportunity to plug uh, where people can find you and then we'll call it a day. All right. Um, we have a website. It's onceforalldelivered.com. Uh, we are on social media, Facebook, Twitter. I think we're still on Instagram. And then on our YouTube where we have our videos and our live shows. All of those, it's at OFAD Podcast. Um, yeah, and you can find us just about anywhere podcasts are. I haven't yet found any major podcast thing that doesn't have us. So if you find one let us know we'll fix it but yeah basically wherever you go for podcasts and then youtube if you want the videos and uh yeah perfect awesome okay well anybody uh traveling through uh iowa or uh, south dakota look up these gentlemen if you're if you're in their area and uh with that it's it's been real talk we'll catch you next time folks Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen or watch the show. If you want to send us your feedback, and we'd love to hear it, please email us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. If you want to find us online or social media, we got a lot of great content there. Just search Reformed Real Talk and we should come right up. This show is created and produced by myself, Lucas Holtfleur, and Tyler Vanderwood. And our wonderful podcast manager who does all the editing is Mariah Tamiga. So we're really thankful for her contribution to the show as well. That's all for now, folks. Thanks for watching or listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.